It's a new day. Yes, it is. I am Vaughn Johnson. You got me mad now. You know, you got a bad pickle. Feeling good. Well, all the skeptics and all the people have a little bit of... Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, pal. Sorry. We ran the bad pickle in the arena. With my man, man, Pots and Pants, Nick Bacone. That's me. I don't know where the kid is that was riding it, but he ain't on it when they brought it to the ring. Smile at you and kick your face off. I don't know that one's up. But I don't like it when things are going my way. Don't you dare be sour! He don't know nothing else. <laughs> hey, you know that wrestling, like, you know that wrestling bro. <laughs> give me a hell yeah! I said give me a hell yeah! What is up ladies and gentlemen out there in internet land and welcome to episode 244 of the Street Shooters. Available wherever podcasts are available. My name is Vaughn Johnson, joined as always by my main man, Pots and Pans, Nick McCone, a Philly voice and Philly influencer. And we have another, and I know I say this every week, but it's true every week. We got another fantastic show ahead of us this evening. But before we get into what we're going to talk about, because we got a lot to talk about on our show. Well, I'll touch on it real quick, actually. We're going to talk about, in great detail, an event that you might remember from 21 years ago. The WrestleMania Rage Party from the night before WrestleMania 15 here in Philadelphia. We're going to deep dive into that. We're not going to live commentate it. We're going to just talk about it, deep dive, time to discuss. We each watched it on our own, took our own separate notes, and we're going to discuss it in detail here on this week's episode. But before we dig deep into the WrestleMania Rage Party, I got to do my weekly check on my guy, Nick Pacone, a Philly voice, a Philly influencer. How you doing tonight, my good brother, on opening day of baseball season? It's back. You knew where I was going, and of course, I, as... Look, uh, I know you. <laughs> as we record this, there's a rain delay, and the first sporting <laughs> event since March, uh, opening day, Major League Baseball's here, and as we record this, there's a rain delay. But the Nationals are losing, and that's always a good thing. Yeah, 4-1, to one, I believe, to the, to the Yankees yeah. right now. Yeah, but, Stanton uh, went yeah. yard, and... I was just enjoying it for what it was. Phillies back in action Friday night. So, uh, you know, it'll be a nice diversion. Yes. It doesn't mean the world is back to normal. But it's just like Uh, you said, it's a nice diversion from all the hell we've gone through in 2020. Which, I mean, a rain delay in this game is just so 2020. It's like, gives us something, some glimmer of hope, and you take it right away. Damn. (laughs) 2020, man. I was going to use the word apropos to sound really smart. There you go. Not apropos, there <laughs> but there is another <laughs> game later tonight, so it looks pretty, pretty uh, sunshiny in L.A. where the Dodgers are going to play. So hopefully, no rain delays in that one. I haven't really watched tonight's game too much, but has it been like odd without the fans there? Yeah, yeah, I think it's always going to feel odd, and even when it becomes our our new normal that we're used to, when fans come back, we're probably going to find that odd in a, in a way. Because it, it probably would have been so long. But, yeah, it's just not the same. They're, you're not hearing too much audio. The commentators are commentating from the studio. So you're not hearing too much on the field. Uh, so That yeah, ambient, that ambient right, stadium noise. Right. So uh, it's weird, and it's going to feel like that for a while. Yeah, hopefully uh, not too much longer, but a little while, obviously. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we've got a lot going on in wrestling, of course. That's what we're talking about here tonight, pro wrestling, of course. And uh, so 
The ratings came out today. AEW's latest SmackDown on NXT uh, again, which mm. is making me think that this ratings war might be over again. I don't know. I'm going <laughs> to declare it. I'm not going to call it two, just yet, though. Two more weeks. Two, two weeks of more uh, weeks. Two, two weeks of a thrashing, it, and it was a thrashing last week and this week, and uh, you're already back on the, okay, it's, it, it is dead. <laughs> I don't know how NXT, what, what NXT did to get those ratings up and beat AEW for like, was it two or three weeks, whatever it was, yeah, but yeah. they need to get back to doing it because they got smoked. <laughs> <laughs> They're paying off um, the TV networks. Yeah, they get something, it was bad. Uh, so we had that. Somebody lost an eye Sunday. Uh, <laughs> that was outrageous. Oh, Dude, um, it's so weird. Such a weird pay per view. I don't. It's one I, of the worst pay per views of all time. Worst? Okay, you're gonna go there. I, I mean, it's hard for me to get annoyed, but it's hard for me to really like it. So I'm kind of in between. I'm. I don't think it's no. still. They, I'm, I'm on. I'm not on the fence on this one. Between <laughs> the, the, the 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 eye stuff, the swamp fight, the terrible Sasha Banks uh, Oscar finish. Mm. Uh, one of the worst pay per views of all time. Yeah, I don't yeah, know what the hell WWE is doing at this point. I've, I've, I, I got nothing. I mean, it, and it's it was weird this week. This week's episode of the Bump is usually uh, one of my favorite shows that I mentioned on here. But this week it was weird too. You had like one of those guys just talk about how great Sasha is and how it made sense because Paul Heyman counted rob van dam when he won the title from john cena so what's different about this so they, what's le- different <laughs> at least what? they that's, tried that's a real thing he said yeah yeah i mean it's story it's storyline driven so I, I don't think it was meant to be like a oh, real so he's playing the heel i guess right right right, right yeah okay i thought he like actually like saying that like no what? he's like a, a sasha stand for lack of a better okay. term okay I can understand it a little bit better. I'm about to say, what are you talking about? That and is then, totally different. Then they showed a clip of Heyman coming down and counting uh, Cena out. So it just brought back memories. I'm like, I should I should go watch that RVD Cena match again because that was a hell of a match. And I haven't seen it in like 10 years. Yeah. The, the night RVD became a double champion, which is what we talked about in episode 243 last week. Talked a lot about double champions. We mentioned Keith Lee. And then he went went ahead and dropped the title, <laughs> yeah. dropped the North American title. It's like, yeah. well, damn. Okay, well, I guess they won't do the triple threat route or right. the you know the four way route. They just like, nope, I'm done with this, and that's it. So <laughs> there you it, go. At least it'll give NXT some compelling TV. Hopefully, <laughs> maybe they'll beat that's, AEW at some point again. That's the hope. That's probably the reason why they did it. It's like we need matches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We need something to build to. Going into uh, NXT TakeOver 30. How about mm. that? Mm-hmm. Big deal. Big, big deal. Very much but, so. Um, but yeah, uh, anything else going on that you want to talk about before we get into the WrestleMania Rage Party discussion? Nah, I think I'm ready to get down and get funky. Is that not the, well, whitest, the whitest thing you've ever heard me say? <laughs> mm, it's definitely up there. <laughs> I got I got to check the um <laughs> the archive the, the Excel sheet. Yeah, the Excel sheet on that that I've kept track of with uh extensive details. The whitest the, things, things that you said. <laughs> yep, I got dates, I got uh timestamps, I got all that. <laughs> Probably on row number 300 or Ooh. something like that. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> They goodness Excel sheets have many rows and cells and stuff like that. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> funny, else, I don't know. Funny, funny, yes or no? <laughs> <laughs> Did he say this multiple times? I just color it green or something like that. <laughs> Change the colors to it, like the levels of whiteness, color coded and everything. So if I see <laughs> right. it, I'll never know what it means. Right. All right. I got it down in my head. Though. I know exactly what it is. <laughs> but now it is time for the WrestleMania Rage Party discussion. course if you recall wrestlemania 15 was here in philadelphia back in 1999 at what was then known as the first union center now it's the wells fargo center but the night before wrestlemania and a time before wrestlemania access before they were holding the hall of fame ceremony and they had nxts obviously no nxt back then they had a party at the Pennsylvania Convention Center the night before WrestleMania. Not the day before, the night before. This is like, apparently like an 11 o'clock Eastern start <laughs> to this telecast. Really? I totally I forgot so. about that. I was thinking maybe not. I read a blog and they said that it aired at that point. Maybe it didn't, uh, maybe it wasn't live. Right, maybe taped but it taped delay an hour late. or two. Okay. Right. Gotcha. Um... So yeah, <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> that was a thing. So again, nowadays you have a week, a week's worth of events. You have fan access, where fans can go get autographs, see different exhibits, and you know stuff like that. Uh, and then they have takeover one night, and then you have the Hall of Fame ceremony. I think the next night. I think they have the Hall of Fame ceremony on Friday. Then they do takeover on Saturday, then WrestleMania Sunday, right? Yeah, they. Said, I think that's how they, they did it last year. It's been like a combination. Yeah, they switched it around recently, but uh, right. that's generally the weekend event. Right. Well, again, before this time, or back in 1999, they didn't have any of that. They might have had some form of a fan festival, which I think they did have at like WrestleMania 10, uh, at Madison Square Garden. They might have did it, you know, in some shape or form, uh, throughout the years. But you didn't have a Hall of Fame ceremony. Even they did do it in the 90s, but they didn't do it in 1999. And they didn't have, uh, you know, wrestling shows leading up. Like, you know, last year they had, like, the Worlds Collide show and all this other stuff. And WrestleMania weekend wasn't what it, pretty much wasn't what it is today. So instead, to have one last bit of hype going into WrestleMania, which, mind you, WWE in 1999 was white hot. Like, we can talk about today how the ratings are down and, you know, the product is, sucks and, you know, how I feel it doesn't, it's not cool anymore. But back mm. then, it was, every, it was, everything about it was cool. It was cutting edge. The ratings were through the roof. The attendance is through the roof. Everybody was on board with WWE. And to get one last bit of promotion for WrestleMania 15, they held a, what they called a rage party. <laughs> 
at the Pennsylvania Convention Center that aired that aired on television on USA the night before WrestleMania. So WrestleMania 15 happened March 28th. So I would assume this aired March 27th, 1999. Nick, how old were you in 1999? It was March, so uh, 1999 in October, I would have been turning 14. So at this point, I was 13. Okay. I had just turned 10 <laughs> uh, a month before. So February 9th is my birthday. This is late March. So I was 10 years old, wow. just about to finish up fourth grade, and mm. just neck deep in wrestling fandom oh yeah this is my eighth grade year my graduation year from elementary school so there you go yeah so i'm pretty sure you were the same way as far as how big of a fan you were i was watching every monday this is before smackdown smackdown didn't even exist yet it was just raw nitro yep so little 10 year old me could not wait to sit in front of my television to watch the wrestlemania rage party we talked about this a couple weeks ago on a prior episode episode of the straight shooters where we talked about how much we wanted to be there <laughs> when we were <laughs> yeah. 10 and 13 years old right. and that's right. true because yeah. when you're a teeny bopper like we were or preteen like i was uh partying with adults seemed like the best thing in the world and trust me <laughs> as adults today partying with most a lot of adults ain't cool <laughs> you gotta limit that to a couple of people nowadays because not every adult is cool obviously but when i was 10 this was awesome mm-hmm yeah, so. I was more, uh, even though like I, I just wanted to be a part of it, and I knew it was in Philly, so it was close. Uh, I didn't really go out of my way to pester, you know, my mom to, to even get WrestleMania tickets because I was still kind of in a in a shell. I was shy, um, not very outgoing at the time, and it would it wouldn't I would be that way for another few years. So if this WrestleMania Rage Party and WrestleMania in Philly had happened maybe three or four years after 1999 then I would have been all in. I would have definitely found my, found a way to get there or at least be around it. Um, maybe not the rage party, <laughs> but WrestleMania itself. So at this point I was more content to, to like watch it, uh, thinking that, you know, I, I was on my tape collection binge of, of recording every single wrestling thing ever. Uh, like media appearances on like Regis and Kathy Lee. I still have Stone Cold Steve Austin's appearance on there. I think it was, I don't remember if it was before this WrestleMania or before WrestleMania 14, or maybe it was both, but I definitely just, that's what I did. And I was just content and comfortable just staying at home because I didn't want to be, I I was a shy kid. I was a shy kid. I just didn't want to be around that crowd because I I definitely knew how rowdy that crowd was. You were right. And let me just say, for those that don't know, this, like I said, this event took place at the Pennsylvania Convention Center, downtown Philly. And this is a massive convention center, but this is not like a place where you see like raucous parties at. This is where like teachers conventions are or comic cons are at or like, you know, normal events that, you know, convention centers hold. (laughs) But (laughs) here we are in 1999. And this convention center is holding the WrestleMania Rage Party. It's just, it's just odd. It's just odd. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I'll I'll begin. We can kind of go back and forth, I guess, on our kind of yeah. our um, sure notes here because we both watched this separately. Like I said, and we took copious, extensive notes. At least I did. Uh, and I'm sure you did too, Nick. You have voluminous notes. Yeah, I got all of them. <laughs> 
I got it all set up. Um, so I'm starting off just right off the top. Uh, as soon as the broadcast begins, you hear that awful, awful rage song that they played of the dude screaming rage. And the and the logo will come on the screen, and it was the logo was trash, and that song was trash. But by nineteen ninety nine standards, it was probably dope. <laughs> Both were probably great in nineteen ninety nine. So that's what got me like instantly. It's like this logo and this song is awful. Who who liked this? Nineteen ninety nine did so. Yeah, I I I went right to the. Pyro, you know, after all that, you know, I, I kind of <laughs> got that too. I, I knew, uh, like you, you even said it last week, like rock music or that, that type of music and wrestling are just synonymous with each other. So I'm, I'm just sitting here. I'm like, up oh, there's your typical wrestling opening song. Like, uh, right. there it is. So I just waited for it to be over. And then as soon as they start panning to the convention center, you start seeing the pyro go off and, I'm cracking up. I'm like, this is another episode of Monday Night Raw or something. Pretty and, much. And it the just, production was just like yeah. a, our typical wrestling show. Yeah, and it just cracked me up. I'm, I'm like, I literally laughed because I'm like pyro. Like, I don't even remember the pyro. <laughs> so pyro at a WrestleMania Rage party. I mean, why, why wouldn't they have it there? I mean, they're the ones right. that really made it synonymous with every single event. Uh, I know WCW had pyro back then. Uh, even in the early 90s, but not to the extent WWF started using it in the mid-90s to later on. So it, I just started laughing, like, oh, boy, here we go. I mean, it's not like clubs don't have, like, the smoke that will shoot out from right, the ceiling right. sometimes at various yeah. points through the night or, like, somebody's getting bottle service, you know, the, yeah. the girl, the waitress come by with the, the sparklers and the bottle. Like, mm-hmm. So there's definitely some theatrics at normal parties, but you don't see full fledged fireworks shooting off more often than not <laughs> in, a, in a in a party or in a club or something like that. So that's a little bit different. Uh, WWF weird thing about WWF, at least back then, is that they didn't know how to not shoot things like it was raw. Like when you look at like the XFL the first time around and how they were like open and like shoot the games, like they would have they pretty much built a Titantron. In one of the end zones, <laughs> like, and had pyro shooting out of it to start off the telecast. Like, you start off telecast with pyro shooting out. Like, you watch any NFL game, pyro ain't just shooting off to begin the telecast. That's not just how it works. It's like, hey, you're looking live at Lincoln Financial Field. You know, like, they're talking about the game, but they go through all the opening package of the XFL game, and then all of a sudden, pyro shooting out like it's raw SmackDown. It's like, <laughs> do y'all just shoot stuff like it's wrestling all the time? Well, yeah, they did. <laughs> like, that's just what they did. Yeah. Uh, another thing I noticed by scanning the crowd, which is nothing but guys for the most part, just hanging <laughs> out in the convention center. Uh, for some reason, they had the Deadly Game score, <laughs> just hanging out in the crowd. <laughs> I, I, I wrote that down too. It was so out of place. Like, there had no reason for being there. Like, why? <laughs> like, are people going in it? Like, does it have an opening somewhere? Is it leading to somewhere else? Like you don't know because they didn't never showed it. They just showed when you pan the crowd, you see it. But they, there was no close up of it. There was like nothing. I'm not even sure people could take a picture with it. Like was it <laughs> was it there for photo ops? Because I can understand that if it's there but, for photo ops, people could take pictures. But I don't know. I didn't. From what I saw, I didn't see anybody taking pictures with it. It was just there. <laughs> yeah, and it was the only thing there. Like I don't. I don't remember seeing any other pay per view type props there. I mean, they had. 
couple stages, but that Deadly Game Skull was like the one thing that just stood out like a sore thumb. Right, it was it was kind of weird. Yeah, maybe. So we started maybe, off the, the maybe, broadcast. Maybe they wanted it because uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. I don't know. <laughs> I guess. I guess. But we, we start off the broadcast with the corporation, Vince, Shane, the whole crew, except The Rock, of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and they come out, and Shane McMahon is a European champion, and he is in full frat boy douchebag mode. <laughs> And I don't know if he's pretending, if he's playing up, you know, his character, which was kind of that guy, or if he was like legit drunk and was just like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like going in, like this is WrestleMania Rage Party, man, like let's just do it. It was like, real. I don't know. It was real to him, damn it. <laughs> it, it looked like it. He, he did was a like, good we're job. Partying. He, he, we're partying. We're partying. Right. He was like, I'm turning up, bucko. <laughs> like this is what's happening tonight. Like he was like. He convinced me that he was like that guy because he was in <laughs> full douchey mode. <laughs> and, <laughs> like, and, and I'm sure we'll touch on it later, but he even later on in the program, he, he you could just tell that he didn't care. Like, well, He didn't care that there was video cameras there. He started just dancing with whoever and whatever. And uh, I could definitely buy if he was a little, little tipsy at that point. Look. You, speaking of dancing, we might as well jump to it right now. <laughs> Shane at one point is in the crowd, <laughs> dancing with Deborah. Yeah, that, that's what I was alluding to. <laughs> and poor Deborah, because once he stops dancing with her, she immediately is surrounded, yes. like swarmed yes. by creeps. I saw, I <laughs> like, wrote that down too. Like that. Oh my god! Like it, we both had like we literally both thinking the same damn thing. Like I feel bad for her. Right, poor Deborah, yeah. who's already yeah. out there like in a skimpy outfit because you know, you know, this is the time WBF and era. Ninety nine, you know? yeah. Right, and these dudes are just like hounding her, and to the point that I feel like somebody had to go in there and like kind of get her out. Like, all right, right we're out. Like, all right, come on, Deborah, get, let's get out of here. Like, right. <laughs> stop dancing with these these creepy guys who <laughs> never <laughs> seen a woman before. Apparently, like it was, it was, and they swarmed her fast, bro. It, yeah. was, it was like, whoa, this is. This is kind of rough. Yeah, like I thought I missed something, but like no, I wa- I rewound it, watched it all the way through. I'm like, nope, they just swarmed her, like you said. That was a perfect a- adjective to describe or a verb, I should say. I guess it's a verb, right? But uh, to, it, you know, swarm, swarm is a verb. Yeah, yeah. action word. Um, so, but it was yeah, it was one of those things that just didn't sit well, you know. Like in '99, you're pr- I'm probably not thinking anything of it as a 13 year old right. boy, but looking back, it's like damn. <laughs> uh, hopefully someone got her out of there because the, sure the, ca- the camera held it for a while too so we we saw it for like 10 10 15 seconds and it's like no oh man it was just kind of out no sickening in a way get her out there save her <laughs> yeah exactly throw her a life uh, uh was it a lifesaver or something <laughs> so she can so you can pull her out because <laughs> she's in a sea she's amongst a sea of creeps yeah, I don't even know. Was that when creepos. she was dating Austin yet? or uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Austin should have been there. I don't know. Look, all I know is, is that as soon as Shane McMahon took like two steps back, the <laughs> hounds were, yeah. were on her. Bad. Like bees to honey. It was like, whoa. Like you said, back then, it was just like, oh, it's just guys being guys. But like now, it's like, look at it now. It's like, oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, like, like at 13, I don't know what's right and what's wrong with 
you know, adults doing adult things. I'm just not well-versed, but now, you know, 21 years later, um, I'm kind of well-versed and that just was creepy beyond creepy. Yeah, that was, that was a bit rough. So you got another, you got an observation there besides after, uh, after <laughs> Shane McMahon and all his, uh, douchebag glory. Yeah. I, I gotta, I gotta talk about Isaac Hayes ho- opening the, uh, the program and, the very first inter- introduction, I think it was Michael Hayes was on, was on the mic introducing Doc Hendricks, bro. Or, Doc Hendricks. Uh, oh, he was still Doc Hendricks at the time. Okay, yeah, get it um, right. The very first on Doc Hendricks' name. <laughs> the very first thing he said about Isaac Hayes was he was the voice of Chef from South Park. That was the very first thing he said. So you, at the same Yo, time, I had I literally <laughs> had the same exact thing written down. I said Hayes was in, Hayes introduced Hayes was introduced. Firstly, no relation between Michael Hayes and Isaac Hayes. By the way. <laughs> Uh, Hayes was introduced firstly that, that as, the chef, as the voice of Chef from South Park. Amazing. And to me, it's almost like I kind of laughed, but at the same time, it just shows you how popular South Park was at the time in pop culture. Like if, you, if you're like, oh, he's from South Park, people are going to pay attention more than they would. No, if, no, they, no, no. Here's the no. thing. Here's the thing about this. I got some things to say. Okay. I didn't mean to cut you off like that, Nick. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going I'm to mute myself. Go ahead. Isaac Hayes is a goddamn legend of music. All right, straight up legend. All right, and maybe look, to be honest, maybe white people didn't know his music as well as the, as as black folks did, but we knew him. So maybe the you know the quote unquote mainstream or white people they knew him from South Park, and that's the reason why they introduced him as Chef from South Park. Which obviously, to your point, Nick, South Park was a massive show. It's still a you know big show to the, to to this day, but it was at its like fever pitch in the late nineties. But like, come on, man! Isaac Hayes is out here. He he did this the theme song to Shaft. Can you dig it? Who's the man? Shaft. I can dig it. We was all digging it. All right, John Shaft, Richard Roundtree. Look it up if you if you're unfamiliar. Um, he did. Uh, he was great. A legendary musician. He did movies. You know what I'm saying? He's an I'm gonna get you sucker, which Nick. Um, I know you haven't seen a couple movies that we talked about. I know you saw Paid in Full. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. But you got to go see the classic comedy. I'm gonna go. I, I'm gonna get you sucker. Okay. And it's get with G I T, not G E T. All right. So uh, I, I know, and the only reason I know that is because I got it as a DVD gift for somebody for Christmas a few years ago. But I did not watch it, so I'm kind of right. kicking myself for that. I After mean, it was podcast. my it was it was my gift to give, so I didn't want to open it first, or and I didn't I didn't watch it with them afterwards. I, For one, who did you moved. get a who did, who did you get a I'm gonna get you suck a DVD from? <laughs> I didn't give you that gift. That's like something I would get. No, you. no, no. I gave it as a gift to uh, you know my it was a Christmas gift, and we. Uh, the the guy was moving out to Vegas or whatever to do to for school or whatever, so he gave me Elf the Elf DVD, and I gave him I'm gonna get you suck a DVD and. <laughs> <laughs> what? I swear I'm not I'm not making this up. Alright, first off, I had just seen Elf for the first time like last week. So don't <laughs> get me on that. It's on Netflix and I watched it. Um so that's number one. Number two, so you had the DVD but you never watched it. Correct. I because I, I bought yeah. it as a gift. I, I didn't buy right. it for myself and then give it as a gift. I bought it gotcha. as a gift. So yeah. But I would recommend you try, f- tracking it down and but watching it. Isaac I knew, I knew it was GIT. Movie. I knew it was GIT. <laughs> That's why I had to yeah, throw that go. in there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Isaac Hayes, Keenan Ivy Wans, Jim Brown, 
legendary cast. He's in that. He's in King of... Uh, no, not King of New York. Different movie. Escape from New York. John Carpenter movie with Kurt Russell. He's in that. He's the main villain in that movie. He's done movies. He's a legendary musician. Great songs. Great movies. And he's on this show performing Chocolate Salty Balls from South Park. <laughs> That's the late 90s for you, bro. Yeah, it is. And uh, t- to me, it just spoke to the popularity of South Park. But yeah, absolutely. Like, Put some respect on his name. How about that? And not just... You know, I mean, I don't remember uh, if what else they introduced him as. I just remember the first thing that they yeah. said was as chef from South Park, and that I, stuck I, with me. I remember that as well. Like that, that was that was jarring because it's like this is yeah. Isaac Hayes, bro. Like he's done countless tremendous songs, and he's been in movies and composing and music. Like he's just he's a legend. And rest in peace, to Isaac Hayes, by the way. But mm-hmm. And it makes me Chef wonder South Park. in the promotion up to the event, it makes me wonder and like I don't remember, you know, the weekend shows or even promoting on Raw, but if that's what they promoted, you know, as a WrestleMania Rage party, Isaac Hayes is gonna be there and he's the voice of Chef on South Park. Like, you know, oh God, maybe they not. maybe they promoted him like that every week on Raw. I don't know. I, I mean Isaac Hayes was a known person. I right. feel like, and I knew the name even before to, even that. I knew I knew the right, name before South Park. I think feel, I feel like that's the reason why he was on South Park because he's a famous right. person. But I feel like there were definitely some people who mainly knew Isaac Hayes strictly from South Park, like Vince which McMahon. I think is a disservice <laughs> to the talent this man had as a musician and even as an actor. So, but yeah, there I he hope. was doing chocolate salty balls, and Vince McMahon is. Shaking his ass and dancing. Let me tell you. Horribly. I, I did write this. He, he, like you said, shaking his ass, dancing. He's dancing to the beat. This is not the first time oh he heard that God. song. He, this is not the was first it, time he heard that song. Was it the South Park song or was he dancing the Shaft, though? Because I, I do remember him dancing, but I don't remember which song it was. I, I think it was I think the it South was, Park song. I think it was, yeah, the Chocolate Salty Balls, because I have right next to it, not the first time he's heard it. <laughs> um, so I, And I think in the video that I posted on our twitter at shooters radio to kind of preview this episode i think uh it was the beginning is when the chef's going suck my balls <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so i'm pretty what sure it was that song For one, let, let, let's just explain to people who've never seen this this is again <laughs> pennsylvania convention center just nothing but people standing around right and so they're just hanging out they're not dancing really they're just there and every so often a musical act would perform and the first one out was like you said isaac hayes who was also playing like a melody of like the, the shaft theme song and some other songs yeah, the shaft yeah. theme it, song it wasn't just chocolate a, salty balls but you're right yeah right. he was doing more than that he, the, the shaft theme song is a legendary song like as soon as you hear it, you instantly know you well, I, i'm not if, you, if you've never heard that song before something's wrong like that's a classic song uh from from the movie shaft so but um Isaac Hayes, man, and Vince McMahon dancing terribly. Mm. So hold on, I've put in my notes here. I gotta read the lyrics to this song. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if this is a mistake or not. I gotta look at them first, um, because because uh, it could be bad. <laughs> I did uh, also note that the Flyers and the Sixers were in action that night. The Flyers won, and the Sixers lost. Oh, look at that. Yeah. I was watching uh, the TSN feed, I guess, and they had the 
the score updates every now and again. So I made sure to follow, uh, you know, if the Flyers or the Sixers came up. Right. I did see those. The Flyers beat the Rangers. Watch this song. I looked it up on Genius.com. Like, you can look up the lyrics. Yeah, yeah. The song was produced by South Park and Rick Rubin. You know who Rick Rubin is? I probably do. All right. Real quick aside, <laughs> we got to discuss Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin is one of the founders of Def Jam. Okay. So he, um, he's a co-founder of Def Jam. So he discovered like the Beastie Boys, L. Cool J, Run DMC. Like he discovered okay. these guys, pr- produced them, put them on. But he also did like rock songs. Like he also did like so Def Jam is a rap label. But then he also did, like, Metallica, I think, at some point. He did Johnny Cash stuff. Then he went ahead and produced multiple songs on Jay-Z's Black Album. Like, he's got, like, a very set of skills. So, like, they had Chili Peppers, Danzig, Slayer, Eminem, Jay-Z, like I said. But Rick Rubin, for those that don't know, so, so already established. Rick Rubin, music legend as well as Isaac Hayes, um, legendary producer. But he was also a massive wrestling fan who who helped. He was the money man. Essentially, he was a Tony Khan, but like not the mm. um, not a front facing money man like Tony Khan is. He was the money man behind Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Mm. Jim Cornette, Smoky Mountain yeah. Wrestling. So how about that? Uh, but no, there's, there's the lyrics to Chocolate Salty Balls. Uh, here's verse one. Uh, two tablespoons of cinnamon and two... <laughs> and two or three egg whites a half a stick of butter melt it stick it in a bowl baby stir it with a wooden spoon mix it in a cup of flour you'll be in i can't read this no more this is so stupid <laughs> we're gonna have to you'll put the explicit logo on this episode say everybody have you seen my bowl? oh my god they're big <laughs> salty and big and salty and brown oh my god <laughs> this this is horrible what the hell i hope isaac Hayes made a lot of money from this <laughs> I just hope he got paid, man. I shouldn't have read the lyrics on the air. <laughs> that was a mistake. I apologize to our listeners. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, let's move on. <laughs> Anyone who's allergic to, to those, to, uh, we apologize. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to, like I said, big room full of people just stand, standing around. But there were wrestlers. Also amongst them, signing autographs, including Draz, who was wearing mm. a hat that only Buff Bagwell would appreciate. Uh, I don't know if you spotted that in the crowd. I must not have, but I know what you're talking about because he kind of wore that, became his look for a while, uh, yep. wearing that ridiculous hat. But I did, I recognized Jerry Lawler in the crowd, but I must have missed uh, Draz. Good, uh, good, I saw Draz. Good catch. I saw Draz. Also, speaking of ridiculous shirts or outfits, I saw the big show. When the quintessential FUBU shirt. It was black and blue, but it was like the FB on it. Very, very Knights 99. Man. FUBU. Probably, if if FUBU came back out today, I think it has some limited release, but like, it might be able to make a comeback. FUBU, in in the late 90s at this time, was dope. Like, we had a a FUBU jersey, the 05 FUBU jersey. You was a man. (laughs) Like, straight up. Uh, and Kevin the classic Nash? FUBU shirt. Kevin Nash wore FUBU a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah. For us, by us, man. Yep. FUBU. 
Did you have a FUBU shirt back in the day? I, I did not, unfortunately. Oh, man. I had a shirt. Mm. I had a jersey. My brother had a baseball jersey. Mm. It's a red and black baseball jersey. And then the Zero Five jerseys, they were everywhere, bro. They had all different types they of were. colors. Yeah, I remember seeing them. I was just uh, not... I, I was more wearing, like, uh, you know, Phillies and uh, Flyers type stuff. I, I wasn't... No FUBU? Nah. Yeah. Well, if it comes back, I'm going to get you a FUBU shirt. There you go. And I will wear it <laughs> proudly. <laughs> um, you had another observation there? Yeah. As we move uh, along? I'll get to, you know, you alluded to Big Show. Uh, I'll get to him later. But, uh, you know, one of the first appearances of Pat Patterson and Jerry Briscoe were them not allowed in to the party. And... It gave me Bobby Heenan vibes of the first episode of Monday Night Raw when he was trying to get yep. in and he, he wasn't able to get in and then he dressed like a woman and everything. <laughs> and it just, uh, you know, Patterson and Briscoe th- throughout the night, uh, they were just trying to get in and they couldn't. They put on like a jackass costume and then Patterson farted in Briscoe's face and Briscoe couldn't, <laughs> yeah. couldn't, couldn't take it anymore. And it just brought me back to the, like, the one thing I thought was Bobby. There was probably other skits throughout the course of wrestling history that are similar. But the one that I came back to was Bobby Heenan in the first episode of Raw. So I thought that was funny and kind of like a nice callback to, to that type of thing. Yeah, the thing is, man, it's so funny because they're straight-up legends, bro. Like, Pat yeah. Patterson and Jerry Briscoe. Are yeah. absolute legends, but here they were in 1999, just being stooges. stooges. <laughs> like that's it. And they gave him that name, and they were like the, on the on the Chiron. It be the Stooges. Like it's just it was hilarious. It was it was like, good for somebody like me who I knew they were part of wrestling history, but I didn't really know until I grew up and researched more. And, when I had the internet and I had the ability to research more of wrestling history, but I just thought they were kind of like lame. I, I thought the character, their characters were them because I, I did that a lot back then, not realizing that everybody's a character, but uh, yeah, it just cracked me up. And some of the funniest moments of my fandom and WWF doing a big turnaround in 98 were the antics of Pat Patterson and Jerry Briscoe. It was it was a ridiculous show. Like, yeah. not a ridiculous show. I mean, they, they, they had a ridiculous gimmick for yeah. that time. Yeah, they competing. Each, it was just in, competing against each other in an evening gown match. Like they just did whatever. Oh was yeah, they were, for like, them. they were in evening gowns, and this that's probably where they got the evening gown idea from. Was this this thing right here? <laughs> oh man! So I yeah, just the thought that was funny. Were just out amongst the fans too, trying to get in, and lady yeah. was behind them, was cursing them out. <laughs> And it's like, do you know who you're cursing out right now? You're cursing out the first intercontinental champion of all time, Pat Patterson, <laughs> who won it in a grueling, grueling tournament in Rio de Janeiro back in 1975. <laughs> Jerry Briscoe, former NWA World Tag Team Champion, with his brother Jack. Like, right? Didn't they win tag team championships? I don't know. I could be making that up. But I'm sure they did. They probably did. But, <laughs> you know, it's... Two bona fide legends, but here they were being complete buffoons, trying to get into the WrestleMania Rage party. They didn't get in until they dressed up as like butlers, pretty much, right? 
Oh man, Something I don't like even... that. I got in eventually. Yeah, and it was funny because uh, this man was like, "Where have you been all night? We've <laughs> like, <laughs> been looking for you everywhere." Man. When every single time we saw Vince, he wasn't looking for them. Like, no, he was, probably he was just dancing saying... <laughs> to Isaac Hayes like a damn goof. <laughs> Oh, uh, before the Stooges, though, we got a promo from The Rock. Remember that? We did. We did. He came out. In a hell of a shirt. Oh, the $500 shirt, man. Them shirts, to this day, are dope. I don't mm. care nobody say. They look very airy, very comfortable. Okay? The, like, probably really nice and smooth up against your skin. And The yeah. Rock would just wear them. Man, he was, he was the man with them shirts. He got, thing is, though. And I wrote this down. I said that his reactions at this point were very interesting because The Rock, for all intents and purposes, was the top heel in the WWF. Mm-hmm. But he was getting, still getting a lot of cheers, especially from women. Like, if you listen to the reaction he got on this night when he came out, there's a lot of women in the crowd going, woo! Like, they're cheering for him, but they like him. Which is, when you think back, it's like, damn, do we hear that nowadays? Like, you look back in the last, like, 10 years... How many women do you hear in the crowd anymore? Like, you don't really hear that nowadays. Right. Which, I don't know why, but you can come up with a variety of reasons why. But it, it was almost, like, strange to hear because we don't hear it that much nowadays because I guess there's not as many women in the crowd as there used to be. I don't know. But not to say there aren't as many fans because I'm sure there's a lot of female fr- fans online. or You know, I, I know a, a bunch, obviously. but uh, So I know you're out there. It's just you don't hear as much in the shows, like, used to back in the day at least when the rock came out like here you know the women were going crazy for him and even there was a bunch of men cheering for him too uh Mm. so he cuts the promo but he started out the promo by saying he said he he's finally you know finally he's back and his home away from home yeah i wrote that too (laughs) and i know some people if you watch this back you're probably like what the hell is he talking about philly is his home away from home well this area of the state is his home away from home <laughs> like the rock for those don't know i know the rock everybody associates the rock with being from miami mm-hmm. but he actually went to high school in the lehigh valley he mm-hmm. went to a bunch of different high schools <laughs> actually because mm-hmm. he was a i think he was a, a bad student so he got he I mean, maybe <laughs> or maybe he was moving around a lot i don't know but he went to multiple high schools but he finished up his high school career in the lehigh valley at freedom high school in bethlehem and graduated from there in 1990 hmm. yeah so and- that's why this is like his home away from home, essentially, I guess. Like, he's from the area, basically. And didn't, uh, wasn't Rocky Johnson part of, you know, the pa- the tapings at WWF? They were all, all ways yep. in, like, Allentown, stuff like that. So they were around the area, and I f- totally forgot about that until he said that and when I wrote it down. And then I was just like, oh, yeah, like that, duh. Like, yeah. But you don't, yeah, you definitely don't think of this area when you think of The Rock. So when he said that, and it was like he was playing to the crowd, too, and as the top heel, yep. and you said about his reactions, and I, I thought that was interesting, too. Uh, you know, he was getting huge face reactions even before the Survivor Series 98, and then, you know, they did that big turn and everything in order to build to Mania with Austin and The Rock. But really, like, he, some people might have turned on him, but he was just getting more popular even in as part of the corporation, so... Uh, very interesting and then when he said home away from home i thought that was very uh definitely missed that the first time around uh when i was watching it so it, it was a nice catch yeah and it, i mean the rock wasn't a, a heel for much longer i mean he, he was a heel through backlash right against austin yeah 
and he wasn't a heel for much longer after that. I don't remember the exact time. Exact no, because by SummerSlam, face. yeah, by SummerSlam he was feuding with Billy Gunn as a face. So right, definitely full fledged face. Yeah, yep. And he was a face from that point until he left in 2002. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, you, you saw it coming, and this night was another example of just The Rock was. It was any day now that he was going to be a baby face. I mean, maybe not with ten year old me because I would root for nothing but the good guys. Yeah. But you can tell, like, you listen closely, and not even listen closely. You just listen. You can tell, like, people were digging the Rock as a baby face. They wanted him to be a baby face, and they eventually got it. Um, mm-hmm. You got another uh, observation there? Yeah. I, uh, this was around the time I think Sable was. Changing her attitude a little bit, uh, she was becoming more of a heelish type character. So, you know, she was dancing and everything like that on the on the perch. You know, she was alone, thankfully, not like you no know, creeps were coming up on her or, or anything like that. And it kind of reminded me, like you you just alluded to it. I always root for the good guys and everything, and um, you know, I always liked Sable more than Sunny, and it was always like a competition on TV between them two. And I always thought Sonny was like, you know, the bad, like bad person said a lot of mean things. And Sable was the good person because she ignored it a lot and stood up for herself. And especially with Mark Merrow. And then, you know, seeing Sable kind of had that attitude change. This is where I kind of finally started liking heels more. And I was 13. I was 13. It, it at didn't the time. hurt that you were 13. <laughs> and, and Sable was Sable. <laughs> Right, it's the hottest woman on the planet, and you're like, I kind of like heels now. <laughs> she she was the reason. She was the reason. <laughs> so I, I'm I, sure she was. I definitely wrote that, and like, she wasn't dancing anything like crazy, um, just wiggling her hips and stuff. And I just remember watching that, and be like, if Man, you call she's it that. <laughs> Look, all right. I, before I before I say this, I got to say, Sable, beautiful woman. Very, I mean, wildly over back in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you, man, she got, she dealt with some BS, especially from like, if you look at like way Meltzer portrayed her and, and the Observer back then. Yeah. He wrote yeah, some I've, awful, yeah. awful things about her and the Observer that was just completely unfair to her. She was put in a spot that she, I mean, obviously she wanted, but like she couldn't, she, she was learning how to do this on a fly. You know what I'm saying? And she she didn't she couldn't control how popular she got that fast. But he wrote some awful, awful things about her. It was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and she you know, I know you say you like her over Sonny. I think back then I think Sonny, you know I thought Sonny was bad too back then, but Sonny is a goof now. I can't even say good things about Sonny nowadays. Mm-hmm. So uh, Sable, bona fide legend, but her dancing skills, zero. <laughs> <laughs> she, she was doing her best, bro. Like she was doing what she could. But man, which, which was enough for me at the time. Look, <laughs> hey, look, I'm not saying that would have deterred me from saying, "Hey, what's going on, Sable?" Like, I mean, ten year old me trying to crack on Sable, go figure. But <laughs> that wouldn't have happened. That would have been terrible. But I mean, I'm not saying it would have like turned me off of Sable. But I'm just saying. <laughs> she could, she uh she she missed a few beats here and there, and the moves weren't really like <laughs> those hips. Those hips were lying that day. Let me just say that those hips were lying. Uh, but speaking of Sable, remember she was in the dressing room, and yes. Diesel and Ahmed Zapper just 
bum rush her dressing room, which is like, yeah. whoa, <laughs> like what the yeah. hell? That's weird. And they begged her to be on their show, Happy Hour. Yeah, it was on like the USA with- Network. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah, only I, lasted one just, season. Did it? I didn't. I didn't even look that up. I know it was like oh, I looked it up. De- debuting the next week or something like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's when USA had all their big originals that were mm-hmm. WWF constantly hawked and. I just never watched anything on USA other than wrestling, so I never. You never, never watched cared. Femme Nikita. I never did. No. You never watched Nash Bridges? Come on, man. No. Wasn't Nash Bridges on CBS? Uh, hmm. You might be right. <laughs> <laughs> I could have sworn Nash Bridges on USA. I mean, maybe it was it moved to USA, but the only reason I remember that is because I taped the one that Stone Cold Steve Austin started, and that was the only oh, Nash Bridges I ever watched. <laughs> I was kind of, oh, and it, yeah. the, the, the TV shows that wrestlers started, I was always kind of like let down. I was like, man, there was like no wrestling in this. <laughs> like not realizing was a C- that's not the reason that they're on there. Yeah. It was a CBS show, uh, yeah. but I think CBS and NBC, maybe, I don't know. Were they, uh, were USA with them? I don't know. I, I, I don't know why I remember that I mean, they commercial so much. They, oh, I remember seeing uh, Nash Bridges commercials all the time. Maybe because when Steve Oz was on it, they... Yeah. Like hawked it to death. Yeah, or it eventually was syndicated to USA. I don't know. Maybe they showed repeats. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Cause I could have swore like I saw like um, commercials for it during Raw, but maybe it was only when you know Steve Austin's on there. And it felt like they did it every week. <laughs> Nash Bridges. I definitely remember the name, and it's not just because of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, just, yeah, they, the Weasel and Ahmed Zappa. Yeah, that was just that was awkward. Like a lot of things yeah. in that era. The Weasel and Ahmed Zappa just bum rushing her dressing room, Sable's dressing room. Yeah, not great, and they were just annoying. I don't, I don't know. And and but you know, I, I was watching like Top Pettengill let me down, dude. I was watching like an old Mania episode when they had Luna Vashon on and he was like knocking on her dressing room door and then he went in because she wasn't answering. It's like, come on, like, what are we doing here? Stop that <laughs> stuff. Yeah, I was going to curse. You caught yourself there. Yeah. Caught, you caught yourself. Like, it uh, just doesn't hold up well today, that that type of stuff. No. no. Uh, Sable was dancing to Isaac Hayes uh, playing the Shaft theme, by there the way. Go. There you go. Which is not a song that she was should dance to like that. Like, wait, she was dancing and then you hear the Shaft theme? It's like, what? <laughs> And then she goes, Michael Hayes is like, oh, I wanted to ask you a question, but you seem to be dancing over here. Uh, and she's like, yeah. and she's like, once I get started, I just can't stop. And it's like, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> when I hear the and shaft theme, I just got to move like no other, man. And 13-year-old me was like, thank you. <laughs> oh, my God. 10-year-old me was like, stop she cannot talking. dance. <laughs> This, like she just wasn't dancing to this song. Like this is a more of a quicker paced song, and she was like dancing like she was dancing like to like a slower song. It just wasn't working. It just that that wasn't it. Sable, you're a legend. Nothing but respect, but this was not it on this night. <laughs> you look good like, though, girl. You look it good. Was, it was like she was doing that grind thing she did in the middle of the ring before every match when she would like take the microphone and be like this yeah is, this is for all the girls that want to be me and all the guys that came to see me and then she would like you're ready for yeah i know all the words are you ready for the grind and then she would just do that like wiggle so that ready was her for thing the grind. yeah 
stuff. Yeah, that, I mean, you don't do the grind to shaft. That's not it. That's just not it. No. But um, oh. I think out next came Mick Foley, <laughs> who wasn't wrestling at this point. He was going to be the special referee, or he's well, he was wrestling. No, he, but he was, was yeah. He did and, wrestle Big Show to become mm-hmm. the special referee in the main event, right? Yeah. Which is a stupid stipulation. Um, <laughs> but he came out and pretty much just did a stand-up comedy routine, which is what <laughs> yeah. he eventually became after wrestling. He became a stand-up comedian. Yep. And he, he came out and ripped on Al Snow, which he routinely does. <laughs> that was great. Uh, I don't know why he always rips on Al Snow. And then he just making puns like limping ain't easy, tripping ain't easy, chimping ain't easy. <laughs> of course, riffing on the Godfather slogan, mm-hmm. pimping ain't easy, which, I mean, hey, everybody knows that, right? Yeah. But uh, everybody can relate to that. So, yeah, that was Mick Foley coming out to do a stand-up comedy routine, which I don't know if that really went over well with a live crowd. I don't know if they came to see Mick Foley do comedy. <laughs> they wanted to see a rage party, you know? Yeah, and but, it's, it's kind of like out of the... It, it's not what we're used to seeing from Mick Foley at this point, so it was just kind of weird. Too. It was just kind of weird. Like, he's been good on the mic, but we it was Like, I wrote the same thing. I said, Foley, stand-up. You know, that was that was what it was. It was a, his try at stand-up comedy and seeing, like, hey, maybe I could do this after wrestling. Because he wouldn't, like... Yeah, he had a, less than a year left, or just about a year left of his wrestling career after this. So, uh, you know, he went, I wrote down an order, limping ain't easy, shrimping ain't easy, then the Al Snow's last decent match, and then chimping ain't easy. So it's like, <laughs> you know, he. I don't know if he kind of messed up the order there, if he meant if he meant to go the limping, shrimping, and chimping all, all together. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it just kind of messed up the order. So, and then he was like, he ended it with mm, beefy, and of course that was my call. I went uh, right away and got my chef Boyardee beef ravioli, thanks to mankind. Mm. And uh, I would have that almost every Monday night while I watched Raw. It was like my my thing because they they got in my head and they're like, I need to have this. And I think I had a little too much after a while because now I just can't stand it. Because oh, I, I did I did try it a couple years ago, and it was still the same. It, it wasn't that great, so. I mean, it would never was that great. I mean, like it's legit <laughs> well, ravioli. I'm, I'm, it's I'm just a ravioli, ravioli in a can. Right, I'm a ravioli guy. So, of right. course, I'm going to put that above everything else. And even if it's not that great, I'm still going to try and like it. But I mean, after a while, I just wasn't feeling it. You go to a, It's not restaurant quality ravioli. I mean, no disrespect no, to Chef Boyardee. No, not, definitely not. Definitely not. I've had my share of Chef Boyardee, and it's, it's quality. It's a quality quick meal. But, you know, let's not confuse it to be like... Restaurant quality. I think no. I read uh, or heard somewhere that the Chef Boyardee was like sponsored, had kind of sponsored this event and they like kind of served it to people in the crowd. I think. I don't know. I think I got to look that up again. But, um, jeez. So, yeah, that's it was weird. That's maybe that's why he went with the beefy line because he wasn't in, in the Chef Boyardee commercials. Um, yeah, yeah, he Mick was. Foley. I said, yeah, he was. Oh, oh. I yeah, I didn't say he wasn't. He was in the Chef Boyardee I, commercials. I, I vividly you. remember them. Yeah. But um, you got anything else next there besides after Mick Foley? Uh, let's see. Have <laughs> I did right? It was kind of lame. DX's entrance was kind of lame. They came down an escalator. And they just wait, like they didn't do like DX is DX, man. You're expecting something kind of big, and 
they just sat on the escalator and stood and were like doing all their histrionics instead of doing something cool. Like I, I was like, they should have like slid down the banister or something like that. Like you're D, you're DX. You like you're not known for being this, uh, you know, uh, what's like basic group that you're just coming down the escalator and waving and doing your cross chops and everything. So I just thought their entrance was kind of lame, and that to me that was surprising coming from. WWF 1999, I, I expected more from DX. That DX wouldn't last that much longer after this. In fact, the next night, they would all like pretty much break up and Triple H would go to yeah. the corporation. But uh, I just thought, given their gimmick, given everything we've seen from this group in the past year or two, it was just kind of a lame entrance. And for some reason, I thought that was noteworthy. DX's whole thing was kind of like just just their thing like it did just did their stick uh and that was it yeah like, and they had the pyro for them too <laughs> they did at the pyro <laughs> I, did, I did find it funny though that like they were came out through the crowd with pretty much no security so yeah people just mobbed them <laughs> like, yeah you, it you took can them see forever to get to the stage yeah you can see triple h kind of turn around he's probably yelling at the guys to follow him or make sure he doesn't lose him or something right. like that because like they that got worked. engulfed that wasn't a good idea. Like no. I should have had some security kind of leading them through the crowd there. They, anything could have happened to them. Like that was kind of yeah. dangerous, actually. Yeah. To have them just kind of walking through, and sure, you're not like banking on somebody having a knife and trying to stab mm-hmm. somebody right then and there. You know, you don't hope that happens, but you never know. That's why you have security. That's why you have metal detectors and all that stuff just in case to protect mm-hmm. your performers. And they just got left unprotected. I don't think that would happen these days, but it happened in 1999 because it, apparently it was like the Wild West. It just it was like, <laughs> whatever. Uh, Triple H tears his shirt off. Uh, then he moons the crowd at the end. The cameras <laughs> barely caught that. It, they try to get away from it as fast as possible, but I saw it. And um, So yeah, DX doing their thing. Uh, the whole stick. The whole stick. It made me think of, though, when... Do you remember Raw 1000 when they had Billy Gunn and Shawn Michaels together for like the first time? And they were both like ready to do like, then we got two words for you part of the whole promo. And they were both like standing there and there's like Billy Gunn looks at him. It's like, hey, well, this is my part. Like, this is what I do. <laughs> and Shawn's like, yeah. well, I, I kind of started this thing. So it's my part. <laughs> And they're like, look, Billy, Billy, look, you know, <laughs> like if you don't let Sean do this, you gotta let Sean, gotta let have Sean have this because, you know, if you don't, he might lose his smile or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was probably the, you know, one of the many DX reunions, but probably the only one that I was like, oh, that was funny, and that was it. Like yeah. all the other ones, I could yeah. done without. Yeah. Uh, specifically the one where they, uh, is that was that DX when they buried the revival? Or was that the NWO? I can't remember. It seemed so prob- like everybody maybe, buried the revival at one point. Maybe a hybrid of both of them. Yeah, it's probably both. <laughs> it could have been both. Yeah. <laughs> They're all friends. <laughs> it could have been DX and the NWO. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. The, all the other reunions I could do without. But just the the, the Raw 1000 one was pretty funny. And um, and they were here on this night just doing their shtick. Uh, before DX, though, we got a performance from Big Pun, mm-hmm. which I was like, oh, I completely forgot he was on this show doing his thing. And Big Pun lived up to his name. He was big, big man <laughs> on that stage. Uh, but I think people forget Big Pun 
was huge in, in the late 90s. In like 1999, yeah. not, and I mean figuratively, not literally. <laughs> Uh, no, I remember. I definitely remember the name. So if I remember it, thirteen, and hip hop, that's you know, you know, he's big. Yeah, he was apparently uh, one of the first Latino artists to go platinum. First solo hip hop record by a Latino to go platinum. Like he was a big deal in in ninety eight, ninety nine. Uh, he had the song "I Don't Want to Be a Player No More." That that song still bops to this day. You put that song on in any function. People are dancing, they're singing a the song. It's a list song still to this day. And he performed it on this night alongside Fat Joe. Fat Joe still around, still doing his thing. He was there as well. But uh big pun, man. I was I was here for that. Uh I don't know if the um the crowd in attendance was though. <laughs> they didn't seem to be loving fat uh, big pun because I guess they didn't like that his style of music, but I liked it. Uh especially that one song. I don't want to be a player. I don't want to be a player no more. I'm not a player. I just crush a lot. That was, man, that was the theme. That was the anthem back in like 99, bro. That was it. <laughs> that was huge. That was like a huge song in like 98, 99, man. It's still, like I said, a big song to this day. Like, Yeah, I mean. Capital punishment, man. Yeah, that was the got, name of the album. And you have to go see Shane McMahon head bopping, like and kind of ruining it f- for yeah. everybody. <laughs> like, I was like, man, come on. Like. Every single white person does that. They just like head bop and they're like, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, do you like want the, Shane to dance like his father? I mean, <laughs> he saw his father dancing. At the same time, I mean, <laughs> maybe not, maybe not. But um, to me, I'm just like, man, that's all I see is like white people head head bopping. Like they don't know, they have no rhythm, and it just kind of it was glaring to me. Then yeah, the fact rough. that he was the European champion at the time, and it was really <laughs> annoying. <laughs> it was weird. He had the shades on, the belt with him. It's like, get yeah. out of here, Shane. <laughs> Just get out of here. <laughs> with your bro, super bro guy during this time. Just super bro mode on this yeah. night, man. Yeah. yeah. Of course, and he's like raising the roof to Fat Joe. Well, not Fat Joe, Big Pun and all that. It's like, yeah. like down somewhere. On, but rest in peace, the big big pun. He he actually passed yeah. away like a year later. After yeah, he this, did. So. Yeah, I did look that up. Yeah, it was two thousand something like that. Yeah, February yeah. two thousand. So, uh, big pun is a legend, man. Like, especially you know in the in the uh, amongst you know Latino community, hip hop community, he's a legend, bro. Like he's up there with Biggie and Pac, uh, if you ask them. But regardless of any background or race, big pun, legendary rapper from New York. And uh, gone way too soon, uh, way before his time. But uh, nice to see Big Pun on the show. It definitely, that's that took me back, man. That's a time capsule. We're talking mm-hmm. about something that takes you back to 1999. Big Pun, because his songs were everywhere back then, man. I'm telling you, it was everywhere. He was a big deal uh, back in the late 90s. Yeah, what you got? What you got next there? After the DX appearance, I cracked up. We see Kane. And then we see <laughs> yeah. Vince McMahon yelling at him to loosen up. It's a party. <laughs> and he's just staring at him. <laughs> he's just staring at him like, like probably thinking I am loose. Like, come on, man. And uh, 
I just laughed because he kept saying it, and it wasn't. I think I think they came back to him at some point. He's just like, "Loosen up, damn it!" Or, you know. <laughs> Why don't you loosen up? Why are you so uptight? It's a party. Yeah. Or and the Rock, you got the Rock and Shane McMahon like jumping at him. Like, yeah, what you, yeah. What you gonna do about it? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. The Rock like like he's gonna smack him. Yeah. <laughs> he did that so much yeah. too. That's what I think. That's why people love the Rock. Like. He was doing it to his own teammates. Like he was like, "Man, don't look at me that way." Like, what the hell are you doing? Like, he would just jump at people. Like he's gonna smack him, bro. It was so funny. <laughs> I remember he did it to a referee one time. The referee team that jumped out the ring. <laughs> so funny. And here he was trying to get ready to. He's talking trash to the cane, and like he's gonna smack him. And Vince, why don't you loosen up? Why are you so uptight? So angry all the time. Loosen up, damn it. <laughs> So angry all the time. This is so dumb. <laughs> this is so stupid. Why are you Kane for one? Kane is there in full gear, like yeah. he's about to wrestle. Yeah. Everybody else is in street clothes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's got everything up from top to bottom. He's he is Kane all the time. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. Com- commitment <laughs> to the character. Oh, oh yeah. Just like the Undertaker. I mean, he was. I mean, like you said, everyone was in street clothes. DX wasn't in their gear. Uh, so close. Steve also wasn't in his gear, but you had Undertaker in his robe and Kane in his <laughs> ring gear. It's like those two gimmicks. You're not allowed to have anything no. other than your gear. No, it's so funny. It's so funny. Um, out next, though, we got Val Venus, who, I mean, obviously, I remember Val Venus. Um. I forgot how over he was though. Like yeah. you remember he was over, yep. but you forget. Sometimes you forget unless you watch stuff from this time period. Just how over he was. A, he was huge in in ninety eight, ninety nine. Like he was a big deal. But for some reason, he came out barefoot, which I found odd. Like that, that didn't seem like safe to do. Like <laughs> walking Probably around not. the stage barefoot. Probably not. And then, and I guess this is the reason why they had him do it. They. He introduced the cherry popping daddies, which I guess it fit for Val Venus's gimmick. Absolutely. Uh, so let's spend a little time talk about a time capsule back to 1999. Mm-hmm. This band, Cherry Poppin' Daddies. First off, horrible name. Bro, what in the hell? Come on, fam. That was really the name, I guess. Uh, in the late '90s, it was like, "Oh yeah, whatever, yeah." But like now, it's like, "What in the hell are y'all talking about?" Like, yeah, what? I didn't. I didn't even know what the hell it meant. You know, I was. We, well, like, we were what? too young to know. But we now, were. when you're older, it's like, "Oh, that is that right. is odd. <laughs> that is an odd thing to want to be known as." Mm-hmm. Like, I, I I don't rock with this. And then on top of that, I didn't like this, the mute. They did the sky. Uh, yeah, it was like a swinger. Uh, the swing, swing stuff, swing yeah. music. Yeah, I mean, I, I will like, say the they performed Zoot Suit Riot, and uh, that was a huge hit back then. And I did like it just because of the sound of it. You know, that's why I like certain songs, just the sound of it. And it was a new sound at the time for me personally to hear. You know, I'm all, was always listening to like the pop and uh, rock and some hip hop. And not not a lot of country, but you know some country, and then this was like just a different type of sound. So I think that's what I gravitated towards because I li- I just kind of like liked it. 
and it was really this song only that I, I think I wound up getting their album at some point and I wasn't a fan of like the other songs but this particular song <laughs> it became like I knew it was popular my sister was singing it you know all throughout the house she she was down with it so I I heard it every single day and I I had no choice I guess but to like it and uh so that's that it brought me back a little bit to to that time period Zoot Suit Riot went double platinum mm. double platinum this song it wasn't even that good but I guess back then <laughs> especially if you like like you said it was it was kind of a new vibe for the late 90s even mm. though it was like an old vibe the swing vibe has been around for you know right. decades uh, and the, like the the suits they were wearing, the zoot suit was around in the twenties and thirties and forties or whatever. Um, so they kind of were like a throwback band, but that swing ska stuff was like big in the late nineties. Like it was, there was a couple ska like swing type of bands back then mm-hmm. that was doing numbers, but they fell off fast. Yeah, <laughs> like, they, they definitely by like two thousand or two thousand one, they weren't they yeah. weren't around. <laughs> it just wasn't. It didn't stick. Like some people still rock with it, I think, but. Back then, things moved fast. Like they fell off real fast, and they haven't been really doing anything. I mean, they've done. They, they, I guess they still tour with the same name, by the way, which is like, ugh. But <laughs> they were no, they reached nowhere near the success they they had back in the late '90s. Today, like nowhere near it. They went that song alone went double platinum. It's unbelievable. I've put in my notes that, for one, I, I said they suck. <laughs> I didn't like the song like that. I just did. I just. I don't know. I, like, I kind of rock with it a little bit, but really, I'm just not a, that big of a fan. It just felt like a lot of college-age people at that point in time, in the late 90s, who thought they were really, really smart, probably loved this stuff. Like, they were probably so in love with it. <laughs> oh, yeah, Zoot Suit Riot, man, they were dancing and stuff like that, but then it just fell off super-duper fast. I'm not mad at that. The name's trash, and they caught a sound that couldn't that wasn't able to be sustained for a long period of time they just they were good at that and that's what they were good at and it's still and people still like that stuff people will still probably go see them just because they like that sound but then as like you said by 2000 2001 that sound had kind of faded off from like the mainstream mm-hmm. and they were st- still kind of in that mode when they tried to switch out of it people wasn't buying that they wanted to hear them do the swing in the sky but that wasn't even what's popping at that point. Like by 2000, 2001, it was, we were on to something else. So, right. yeah. CPD, Cherry Poppin' Daddies. Terrible mm. name. Terrible name. I mean, I, I, would, still, I would still rock out to that song in, in my car, but uh, that's probably the only song I would of theirs. That's probably the only song a lot of people heard from them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I did, I did have the album, or my sister did, and I, re- I remember listening, and I just didn't like the other songs. It was like Zoot Suit, <laughs> Zoot Suit Riot hit that spot of where, and maybe it was because it was mainstream and popular, and, but I actually liked it, and I can't tell, like, I, I, the fact that I still like it today, I know it's not because it was just popular back then. Uh, I, I, I've liked a lot of songs back then that today I wouldn't listen to anymore, but uh, that's one of them. And, uh, it's just, yeah. they just box themselves in. They were yeah. like, yeah. they dressed like they were in the 20s, they had songs like they were in the 20s did, and 30s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they, once you do that, yeah, it worked for a little bit, but it's not a, a, there's no longevity in it. So they were out there doing the swing stuff and all that, but it couldn't last because 
we're on to a different vibe. <laughs> like, yeah. you're, you're still doing this, so. It was like a window Whatever. for that, and they eclipsed it. Yeah, they look, they cashed in on that window. Like I said, that song alone went double platinum. I'm not sure about the, how the whole, whole album went, but they made right. some money, and they was touring, and they was... They were popular, but whatever. <laughs> uh, enough of them. Uh, out next was The Undertaker <laughs> and the entire Ministry of Darkness, which look here. I don't know. I know people love the American Badass. I know they love like the other incarnations of The Undertaker. I, I don't know why. I have a soft spot for the Ministry Undertaker, for the villain satanic undertaker i don't know why but i thought this was a cool chapter in his career it wasn't like a a super memorable one if anything it had some terrible matches in there especially the wrestlemania one the next night when yeah. they hung big boss man yeah um but i thought the music was dope that theme music in 1999 was fire i don't know what nobody said i know yep. he has his classic theme song but this one is fire that was on one of the albums that was on one of their music yeah. albums, and I just had it on repeat for a while. It was great. I'm, I'm, I'm like, go back and listen to Undertaker's 1999 theme song if you haven't heard it in a while. It's dope. Then Undertaker kind of changed his look, so he literally looked like the devil. Like, <laughs> like, it was awesome. Like, I don't know why I liked it so much. He would come out with like capes on and his shoulder yeah. pads, and come out with the the cloak and the and the hood, like. Even he the was the leader of a satanic cult. Yeah, even the facial hair shaved the mustache and then grew the goatees. And right. it, it was definitely a different look. Like, you knew it was The Undertaker, but he didn't look like he did in 1991 or 1995 or even 1998. He looked completely no. different. He's going totally different, which Undertaker is always good for that, trying to tweak his look a little bit. Right. But uh, he was a leader of his own cult, which is like, it fit his character, actually. Yeah. And he was a heel, which he hadn't been a heel in a while. You know, yeah, I think when was the last time he was a real heel in WWF outside of 1991? That was it. In 92. That was it. And when, to the Jake Roberts feud was when he turned face, and he hadn't been heel until because he, Paul Bearer turned on him, but he was still a face. And so, yeah, this was the first real heel run in eight years. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. It's crazy, right? That the character, that darker character, hadn't been a heel <laughs> like, for eight years. He had like a Hulk Hogan run as a babyface. <laughs> yeah. Like that's how long he was as a babyface. And then he finally turned him. But when he turned him, he was a cult leader. And he had his own <laughs> faction. Like that's the only time in Undertaker's career he had his own faction. Like yeah. I thought that was, I don't know why I thought that was dope. Obviously they ruined it when they made it like the, 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 the corporate, corporate, corporate ministry. ministry. Yeah. That's when it got weird and. Vince McMahon kidnapped his own daughter. It was me, Austin. It was me all along. But that was trash. But when it was just a Ministry of Darkness and they were actually feuding with the corporation, which is also a heel faction. Yeah. Yeah. He's trying to take over the world. Yeah. I think January of 99. Do you remember that whole promo that when he sacrificed Midian and all that? Yeah. I remember reading. I think that was a live episode. So I remember reading before Raw. I was like, The Undertaker's going to do a really controversial angle tonight. And it's going to kick off like a whole new uh, path for him or something. And I remember coming out of it and the promo that he made, it was like pre recorded. So you can not see him talking, but the words weren't matching what he was saying. <laughs> and it was, it was just all like messed up. And. He, I remember coming out of it thinking like that's not that controversial. 
So you know, like '90s television. If that's not controversial to me, <laughs> it just kind of brought me back to that. Yeah, I thought I thought this version of the Undertaker is underrated. Honestly, I liked it. I thought it was underrated. Also, I, th- I put it here. I didn't know satanic cults went to rage parties. I didn't know that was a thing, but you know, I guess. You know, he was sitting there threatening Vince McMahon and his family like the whole time, and Big Show's just like chilling next to him. Like they they never show him. He, you don't see his face or whatever. Like why doesn't Vince McMahon turning to Big Show be like, "Yo, you're bigger than him. Go take care of him." I just don't get it. I just, I just find, like I said, I, I said it earlier, but I, I found it fascinating that the ministry feuded with the corporation, you know, both heel factions. Now, they eventually joined up, but at first, it wasn't that way. Like, Undertaker was a legit, like, I want to destroy everybody. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't care damn who it is. So, I thought that was kind of interesting. Also, Undertaker threatened to kidnap Steph- Stephanie McMahon before she was even on TV. <laughs> Like he's didn't he say like I'm gonna take something from you or something like yeah. that? Like and he he kept saying she, her, right. and I guess that's we didn't know who he was talking about at that time. But, but so yeah, I know people are like what there was a time where Stephanie McMahon wasn't just you know hovering over every woman on the roster and claiming responsibility for the women's revolution. What she wasn't on TV? No. In early '99, she wasn't. Her. Pretty much her TV debut as an on-screen character, from what I remember, was her getting kidnapped by the Undertaker. Yeah, yeah. They where did it start? Her. And I remember like Ken Shamrock trying to rescue her, and uh, in like a locker room or something like that. And her looking very uh, like scared, and he brought her back to Vince, and Vince like, "What did he do to you?" or whatever like that. And I just remember like that was the first time or maybe like within the span of a few weeks her first television appearances and then when Austin saved her and then that's kind of when Vince was turning babyface which I, it was just so weird you know not used yeah, to Austin that. saved her and, and like didn't he like didn't she like run up on him and hug him and yeah he, he <laughs> hug her back exactly because he he's like I, you're Vince McMahon's daughter like what the hell <laughs> what a weird that was that went off the rails real fast. Yeah, that was definitely Vince Russo, and uh, I, like the storytelling is easier for me to follow because it was one show a week. Still, SmackDown wasn't there, so I can remember it easily. Easily, but I just don't think it was very great. We wrap up the WrestleMania Rage Party with. The man of the hour, Stone Cold Steve Austin, who just got to the convention center right before he's set to come out on stage. So it got me to thinking, where the hell was Steve Austin before he got there? Like, where was he? Like, was he at a bar? Uh, the Rocky statue? Yeah, was he, you know, was he on South Street? Was he in Old City? <laughs> was he in Maniunk? Like, where was he? Concha Hawken? Concha Hawken, yeah. Concha Hawken, was he in, uh, I don't know, you know where was he? <laughs> was he at the Four Seasons? Like, was he <laughs> at uh, Del Frisco's? Like, uh, interesting. I mean, obviously they just showed him walking in just for that shot, but like, in my mind, he was just not there. Like, storyline purposes, he just showed up before the end of this party, quote yeah, unquote. Yeah. 
So where the hell was Steve Austin at this whole time? And how many beers did he drink? Did he drink stuck, one beer? Stuck in traffic on the Schuylkill Expressway. Oh, well, haven't we all been there? <laughs> I mean, but Steve Austin comes out, he cuts a promo, uh, talks crap to The Rock. The Rock doesn't like it. His music <laughs> plays, and then we pretty much go off the air on that note. So mm-hmm. that's the WrestleMania Rage part. I don't know if you had any more notes of your own, Nick, but that's all I got. Yeah, had uh, The Undertaker, why didn't Vince send Big Show after him? <laughs> and then Austin ends it. It was kind of like a typical Austin promo. Um, not saying it was bad. It was just your typical Austin promo. And uh, nothing noteworthy about that. Just the fact that I miss Mike. I wish when people could just talk on the mic and not have to read from a script. Kind of yeah. what I got from that. If only we can go back to those days with at least those style of promos from how they got to those promos. Not necessarily what they were saying, but or verbatim what they were saying, but like, you know, just letting the guys and gals be themselves instead of, like you said, having a script where they got to recite stuff word for word and stuff like that, you know. Uh, I was just watching Nitro from early 98 a few days ago when British Bulldog showed up for the first time and faced Mongo McMichael, but he made his appearance during like a promo. Gene Okerlund in like the aisle way went talking to Mongo and then the bulldog comes out and you could tell he's not reading from a script. <laughs> he's just like flubbing lines here and there, but I missed that. There's like a genuine, genuine charm to people just doing that. Like I don't always know what I'm going to say on this podcast and I delay and delay and like, I don't know. I just miss it. Uh, but that is the WrestleMania Rage Party from 21. If you wanna, if you wanna relive that, it's on YouTube. Uh, just search WrestleMania Rage Party. Uh, it's not on the Net- WWE Network at this point. But I would love for them to like upload it with some bonus footage so we can have another one of these. <laughs> Man, I don't think WWE wants anything to do <laughs> this show. Do they really want Isaac Hayes? On this on their network, singing chocolate salty balls. <laughs> I mean, and can they even get the rights to these songs? Like, I don't know uh, how true, that works true, now. True, true. Like with it, performances. It's a good point you bring up. Uh, I guess they uploaded all these ECW super shows, and people I've seen on Twitter saying whatever music that was used, they can't use it, or they're not going to pay for the rights to use it. So it ruins like half the show or the whole show. So I guess they're just never going to do it. It's the same weird thing of seeing Chris Jericho on Nitro with his Break the Walls Down theme. It's just stupid. I don't know if the rules are different for live performances, though. Maybe. Um, yeah, right. yeah. yeah. But, you know, I, I can look up a show that had like. Uh, what like uh, who was the band that they would do use all the time for Triple H's theme music? Um, Motorhead. Motor, that's what. Or that's saliva on a couple of shows. Right, I can look yeah, those up yeah, and see yeah, yeah. if they kept their performances on there, on those shows. But either way, this show, this this event, this rage party, was, if nothing else, it was a big time capsule back. You know, you could teleport yourself back 20 years ago, 21 years ago, back to 1999, and realize just how different of a world we were in back then. <laughs> like, I mean, it was it was uh, it was a doozy. 
and it just felt super unnecessary. Like, the way WWE does their WrestleMania weekend now, so much better. Even though I don't really watch the Hall of Fame ceremony because it's long and typically very boring. But it just it just feels like a more professional event than the WrestleMania yeah. Rage Party. Yeah, definitely. And I think even in 99, they didn't really do the Hall of Fame on WrestleMania weekend. And they used to do it randomly. It was like before the King of the Ring one year right here in Philly. Like, it's like, what? <laughs> yeah, I think that was, maybe that was the last time they did it until 2004. I think it was 95 was the last time they did it. Maybe 96, I don't remember. Yeah, because 96 and 97, they did the Slammy Awards before WrestleMania. So they, that was my jam. Maybe we maybe we should recap a Slammy Awards show on here. We don't have to. No, no. <laughs> We're not sticking around to see the uh, the Smoking Guns get Tag Team of the Year. <laughs> I don't I'm think not, they are really on that. But the Rage Party was a moment in time that will not be replicated by WWE probably ever again because it was just just all over the place. Like there's no yeah. like cohesion it was just like a wild production that i don't know what it was it was just a thing that they had some live performances people just standing around people dancing terribly a couple promos and it's like what did it really do for wrestlemania did it help the buy rate i don't think so it's just like i said a couple weeks ago it just felt like another night at work for a lot of people yeah like unnecessarily like if you're not doing the hall of fame or if you're not doing an nxt show which they weren't going to do back then, obviously, an NXT show. But if you're not doing the Hall of Fame ceremony, then what are you going to... Like, you don't have to do anything the night before WrestleMania. You know? <laughs> but they, they figured it out. They got a better formula now. And it's worked for them over... I mean, damn, they, they've done the Hall of Fame stuff for a long time now, since, since 2004. And they've done NXT for the last, like, four or five years throughout the weekend. So they got a formula now. It works. People are into it. And it's much better television and, and um, much, li- much less liable for lawsuits than the WrestleMania Rage Party was back in 1999. So <laughs> uh, before we wrap it up here for episode 244 of the Straight Shooters, I'm going to toss it to Nick. So, Nick, you can give us some plugs, please. You can follow us at Shooters Radio on Twitter. Follow me at Nick Bacone on Twitter. We're on Facebook facebook.com slash shooters radio and you can follow me and listen to this podcast and philly sports action culture social events at phillyinfluencer.com and phillyvoice.com all right and i am at vaughn m johnson on twitter if you can't find me on there you'll probably find me out here in these streets probably but only probably because obviously we're still in the middle of a pandemic uh but yeah check me out there you can check us out shootersradio.com uh we are all over your podcast apps so wherever you can you yeah. have radio.com baby yeah radio.com now so we are where you are we're spreading everywhere so wherever you listen to your favorite podcast nine times out of ten we are there including radio.com also patreon.com slash shooters radio Get some exclusive content for the nominal fee of $1.99. But until next time, for Nick McCone, I'm Vaughn Johnson. Thanks for listening to episode 244 of The Straight Shooters, and we'll catch y'all again next week. Peace.